Welcome, everyone, to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top local source for live, local, regional music, interviews, entertainment, and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding area. I am your host, Ben Albert, and I'm I'm humbled to have a large group of great comedians here uh, with me today, none of which I know tremendously well, so we have the opportunity uh, to get to know each other a little bit better and talk about life as a comedian in upstate New York. Um, I don't know the best order here, but I want everyone to uh, get to know your voices if we want to take turns here. Uh, just say your name, a little bit about what you do with comedy, and uh, anything else that you want to say, just to get started. If I, I'll just go in order for um from my Zoom setup here, and we'll start with Sarah. Cool. Uh, my name is Sarah Shipley. I am a stand-up comedian and an improviser out of Rochester. Uh, yeah, I I do a lot of different things from bar shows to uh, professional shows at the Carlson. Um, to, you know, improv shows around town. So you can kind of find me doing a little bit of everything, open mics, paid shows, non-paid shows, uh, the whole thing. Very cool. Very cool. And then um, Dario. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm Dario Joseph. Um, I've been doing comedy for like nine years now. Uh, I'm, I'm still really terrible at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I just moved back from Brooklyn back. It's almost a year now, so I can't say just anymore. But um, I lived in Brooklyn for four years doing comedy. I'm back now, doing a lot of shows, um, producing one at Knox uh, every first Friday. Not anymore, but we were. Uh, <laughs> highly successful. But um, yeah, that roster scene's great, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Hello, everyone. Awesome. Awesome. And... Uh, <laughs> And you're next in line on the Zoom call. This this is cool for people watching live. If you're listening, you might get a little confused, but we're live on Zoom. Um, uh, Andy, uh, how are we doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm Andy Kuhn. I'm live from my car because my <laughs> house is crazy. i um, been doing comedy for like four and a half years now, I think. And uh, you can catch me pretty much all over town central new york a lot buffalo sometimes and uh sometimes at the carlson on a good day uh that's about all i got cool how about you luke oh uh, hey what's up i'm luke i'm sorry it's super dark i just had to plug my phone in mm. uh i host uh, a couple open mics here in rochester or i did when the world was still open um and uh also perform regularly at comedy at carlson and uh kind of a little bit all over new york state Awesome. Hey, it's a it's a pleasure to meet everybody. And um, we've got a couple people in the room as well, audience members. Um, to kind of get things started for and any of these questions are open to everybody. I, I don't want to just go in order. I think that's kind of boring. You know, whatever speaks to you just speak up. We'll chat a little bit. Um, but my number one question is what the hell are people doing uh, to stay sane right now? Uh, what is How's the social distancing? How's the change? I mean, we know this. You guys are comedians. You do this. You do stand-up. You do it live. You get live feedback. Um, obviously, it's it's a different world. What, what are we doing to stay sane in these times? Yeah, I'd also like to know what, what people are doing to stay sane. <laughs> 
<laughs> drugs? Are we doing drugs? <laughs> a lot of day drinking, mostly. <laughs> um, we kind of were talking about it. We're, we're all just kind of trying to scrape by, um, whether that be Zoom uh, comedy shows. Some people are doing, like, uh, just podcasts where they're chit-chatting with other folks. Um, I'm trying to do at least one Zoom comedy thing a week, either, you know, to work on something new or to stay fresh on what I was doing before we kind of went into quarantine. I've been doing a lot of like little tiny sketch type videos, which I've really, you know, I didn't have time before this. You know, as a comedian, you're hitting open mics, you're doing shows kind of constantly as much as you can. Um, I also work full time. So having time to like think of a sketch and videotape it and edit it, just didn't quite fit into my lifestyle then so i'm really enjoying having the time to do some of that different kind of creative stuff yeah is there a a huge difference between you know creating a sketch video or sketch comedy versus a more traditional stand-up style or well, what are some of those major differences there i'll, I'll speak for myself um i tend, i think i tend to think in sketch uh, and then kind of have to, as a comedian, work it into a joke. Because um, as a sketch, you can kind of act out a lot of things that you might not be able to do on stage. You can have other folks in the videos with you. You can be creative on how you edit it, adding music, adding sound bites. So um, it's a little bit more time consuming, but it, you can do a little bit more with it sometimes, I think. So it's just a different medium. Yeah. I have a. I have a background in uh, script writing and filmmaking. I, I mean, I would make like comedy films and it's just, it's really a lot different just standing in front of an audience and interacting with them live than it is to like write a, write a script and then act it out or direct it and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I too am doing one zoom, trying to do one zoom show a week and it's just not the same as being in front of a crowd live. It's just, you can't replicate that. Yeah, that's really the whole thing with stand-up is it's just you alone on a stage talking to a room full of people. Well, hopefully full. Sometimes it's two or three people, but I would take that in <laughs> now. Uh, but yeah, it's just the sort of thing you can't recreate. Not not to put down uh, all the Zoom and, and Instagram shows that are happening. I think that's kind of a popular thing right now with some comics. I think it's, it's better than nothing, you know? I, I think most of us were talking about that earlier, and we agree. Um, but uh, yeah, it'd be great to have the real thing back at some point. It's it's coming, it's coming. We will weather the storm. And um, to talk a little bit about your guys's background, because um, I know personally, I've done sales, I've done some public speaking, but I've done like three open mics, and it's nerve wracking as hell. <laughs> um, when do you decide that I I'm gonna I'm going to do comedy. I want to be a comedian. That seems like a bold decision to make. And, you know, for each of you, what influenced you to love comedy the way you do? Uh, well, I, I started doing uh, improv and uh, I got real involved in uh, Jiva Comedy Improv. They're now defunct now, but they're real popular here associated with the Jiva Theater. And uh, I took their boot camp. It was like, um, I'm trying to think, it was over the summer, and it was really fun, uh, and I got close with the people there, and then I ended up auditioning for the troupe, and uh, I didn't wasn't accepted, and then I just started doing stand-up after that. 
So <laughs> that's my story. Uh, yeah, so yeah, like, well, if you don't like me, I'll do it myself type of thing. So I don't need friends. <laughs> that's right. The Joker story. You know, you've seen oh, it. Shit. <laughs> so they're all dead now. Yeah. <laughs> like they stopped doing improv because he killed them. <laughs> that's right. I think I'm the newest. Uh, I'm late to the game. I've only been doing comedy like a year and a half. Uh, September will be two years. I also started with improv, um, but before that I was an athlete and just missed having something to do and to chase after and to work hard for. So I started Googling like what the hell else can I do with my time and found improv. And then a lot of my improv friends were doing stand-up. So it kind of, I think I'd always wanted to do stand-up, but um, just kind of got there in a roundabout way. Yeah, I actually I haven't been doing stand up much longer than you, Sarah. I, I started uh, just about two years ago. Um, I kind of waited till way late in life. I'm 40 now. I waited till I was 38 to try it, but I always wanted to do it. I had a background of acting um, and uh, sales. I worked in sales and I was a brand ambassador. So I did a lot of public speaking and such, but I just kind of put off stand up. But after the first time I did it, uh, like I, I did a, a couple mics a week, week every time since then, um, sort of thing. Like once you do it, you kind of know. Like, this is for me or not. Yeah, I had a background in uh, filmmaking. Uh, I went to film school at RIT, actually. And I would, you know, I, I, my, I gravitated toward comedy films. And I was always under the mentality that uh, I could never get on stage and do this. Then one time I helped my friend actually write a stand-up set. She performed at an open mic. And uh, I still wasn't ready to get, I still wasn't ready to, to get on stage myself and do it. And then like a year later, my life was going, my life was going terribly. And I was like, fuck it. I can, I have nothing to lose. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get on stage. And I stuck with it, I guess. That's awesome. That's awesome. You, you guys have bigger balls than I do getting on stage. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I know personally, I, I said it, I've been up there two or three times. My pre pre, <laughs> My pre my pre performance ritual was uh, sorry I'm talking like an idiot totally sober but my before ritual was ultimately having one too many drinks because that's all that got me up there I'm curious what kind of pre performance rituals you guys have anything that really gets you ready and in the mood and you know prepared for a a bigger show. Uh. Speaking for myself, I uh, I always take a, a nice dump before the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys, but and when I used to play sports, uh, like back in high school, I would always go and take a nice little poopy before I'd play, and so uh, and it always helped me. I don't know. I don't know if I was lighter or it made me swifter. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's nerves. It might be a little bit of nerves, but I'm never really. Once I get on stage, there's nothing really that shakes me um but uh yeah that's i think that's my ritual <laughs> whether i like it or not <laughs> i'll do something different if it's like um you know a, an open mic or a show an open mic and I'm, I'm not really a drinker too heavily i'll drink but um I, I like to do comedy sober for the most part um but i'll like bring my laptop look over my notes and do all that kind of stuff I, i'm kind of all business when it comes to open mics some people do you know, treat it as like a social thing. Um, but I tend to, you know, like to go over my jokes and like to be prepared to go on stage. 
um, for a show, it's not really much different, but I'll, I'll have worked out my set ahead of time, what I'm going to do that night on stage if it's a real show. And then I like to just give myself a lot of time to get ready and get into the right mindset. I treat it like a sport. You know, when I was playing sports, I would do the same thing, like give myself a lot of time to get ready, go over kind of like the mental preparedness, like visualization type of stuff. And really, it's not much different from um, playing a game for me. Yeah. See, for me, I'm, I, it's all about being as natural as possible on stage and I'm not naturally a very comfortable person. Uh, so I really, I, I just try and try and get up there and, uh, and just, just be myself and, and, you know, be my awkward, funny self. So I don't really have any rituals. I don't think if it's an important show, the Carlson or something, I, I'll time my jokes out just to make sure that I'm, I'm hitting the mark for time. Uh, but other than that, I really, I really just try and, and, not think about it <laughs> just get up there and do it i guess my ritual is no rituals <laughs> i guess the one thing i would say i do is i i actually read my jokes out loud uh in front of a, not in front of a mirror just you know my spare time before a show uh i'll run through the, and obviously i you know sometimes i'll audible on stage and do something else but uh i usually have a set list that i want to kind of stick to more or less when I get out there. I guess that's just kind of my thing, but I guess that would be the one that you have. I, I don't drink or anything like that. I'm a, I'm actually a recovering addict. So like, I can't get, uh, get booze in me and get the, the, get those muscles going, but I've learned to relax and sober and stuff like that. So, yeah. Leave the, leave the booze to the audience. <laughs> right. I want them good and drunk for Ooh, sure. Boo. <laughs> You no. suck, Andy. Oh, the booze. Yeah, yeah. O-O-S. Ah. <laughs> that one went over my head. <laughs> Got a low ceiling there, though. <laughs> You're in a car. He You're is in, in a, a car. car, yeah. Yes, literally. <laughs> literally. Oh, it sounds like for the most part... For the most part, you guys, um, you guys all treat it as a business, as you very well should. If you're looking to to be a rock star in comedy, I'm wondering whether it's incredibly good or incredibly terrible. Just those big pivotal experiences. If anything has happened in your past that either was something you want to pinpoint as your best show ever, or something you want to pinpoint as you almost wanted to just leave the building and be done any big emotional experiences on either end from any of you guys i got one where i wanted to be done almost i got heckled off stage uh at a at a charity show so <laughs> that was that was probably my my lowest point in comedy that was devastating to me and uh I think my highest point would be actually the uh, first time I did like a 25 minute set. It went really well. And uh, that was kind of like, you know, what I consider my best set ever. And I got a nice video of it too. So that was cool. But So that was a high point. But like, yeah, the heckling was a lower point than the high one was high. <laughs> that, was, that was bad. And you still get back on stage though. That's the cool part is like you get to try it again. And yeah. At the end of the world, <laughs> those folks you know i think it's good to, i think it's good to bomb here and there it keeps you humble but like you know you're just surviving it too you know yeah that's like a therapy thing too but just just realizing it doesn't actually kill you you know you can survive yeah it. right right yeah i think you learn the most in those 
moments of like, what the hell <laughs> that you do when you're doing well? It was so out of control. It was uh, it was a charity for, I don't know why this guy booked me. Cause uh, it, I mean, the comics here know what my style of comedy is. It was a, it was a charity show for an organization that taught children about appropriate sexual behavior. Nope. That's not a show for Andy. So I, I was not a, I was not a good match. But, uh, yeah. Who was they, else? They, who else was on the show, Andy? Sam Minnie from Buffalo, and some other two other people I don't really know. And uh, did the only guy who did well or did was they the, do well? Every well, uh, three people bombed, and the guy who headlined—I forget what his name was. Uh, he did. Oh no! You know who headlined that was? It was his name was Dan Mahoney. I don't know if you guys know who he is, and he ended up doing okay. really well. They liked them, but. Uh, it was a it was a tough crowd for sure. Yeah, those charity shows, you really don't know, you know, if they're coming just to support whatever the charity is or if they're coming to see a comedy show. So it's just like a grab bag of like, well <laughs> you never yeah, know. That was that was awful from the beginning. I didn't know it was a, that I didn't know what the charity was until like a couple hours before the show either. So I was like, Oh shit, I never would have taken it, but yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I think that's one thing in comedy that you learn is like, you just kind of never say no to any gigs, you know, like I don't, there's very few gigs I've ever said no to. Even if I know going in, it's going to be terrible. Um, you know, like there's always a learning experience that you can take from it basically that like, even like Andy, like, you know, even if you fail, I've had plenty of those where they, it sucked, but then like you look back and you're like, okay, how could I have that handled that differently? You know, what did I learn from that? Or did they just suck? Maybe they just sucked, you know, <laughs> and you yeah. have those too. And that's okay. Right. <laughs> this is, this is getting talking about bombing. It's it, not to get too Zen, but this is kind of Buddhist, you know, taking that struggle and taking that um, turmoil and being one with it and being stronger for it rather than, you know, letting it own you. Um, has anybody else had, you know, crazy experiences, tough, you know, trying experiences like that? Or do you want to talk about a proudest moment? I, I like to talk about either end of the bargain. <laughs> I, I'm coming off a kind of a fresh one. Um, I did a driving comedy show for the Carlson this past weekend. And, you know, it's a, just a unique situation. I don't know of anybody who's ever done a show like that outside uh, cars in the parking lot. They were flashing their lights as applause and, and they were also streaming it on Facebook. So, you know, <laughs> some gentleman or lady, I don't know who it was, um, at one point during my set, sad reacted. <laughs> <laughs> and, at, you know, I went back and watched it and someone else wrote next. They were not a fan of my set, apparently, which is fine. You're not going to be uh, everybody's favorite comedian. Um, but I watched that back and I'm like, wow, this is cringy. A, it's cringy to watch yourself back. It's cringy to watch without audience laughter as the background, but then to see a next and a sad react, I think it's hilarious now, but in the moment I was like, wow, this is, this is freaking the worst. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dario. Yeah. Ne never read the comments, Sarah. Don't go back <laughs> and read the comments. Why would was, you do that to yourself? I, I Come just, on. It was right there. It was, you know, there wasn't a ton of comments and I know, it just wasn't live. Could you imagine though, like we're, I'm, we're nobody comedians for the most part. Like, could you imagine being a celebrity and like anytime you just people, I cannot imagine having that just be your daily normal. People just shitting. No, off I mean, 
I've I've seen plenty of comics get their first late night and then you know it gets posted to YouTube and then they read the comments and all that you know happiness from having your first late night gets taken away by some kid in Iowa you know (laughs) that tells you you have like big hips or some shit like that (laughs) great outfit choice I feel like that's all of us at the core too is like we're all talking about like oh no bombing's good for you and it's a learning experience and you just learn to weather the storm and you survive it one sad react though I'm serious I'm never gonna forget that (laughs) I made it into this like little funny video and now it makes me giggle but the first time I saw it I was like well that's fucking terrible (laughs) (laughs) it's done It would affect me. Too. I mean, I don't, yeah. Nobody, <laughs> nobody likes nobody likes to bomb, obviously. But like, my feeling is like, if you're not ready to bomb here and there, like, you're not ready to to do this because right. you know you got to have a strong head to get through it, you know, and move on to the next show. Yeah, no, it's it's really got to not matter in some ways, you know. And I, I think that's a good way of looking at life too. Is if it goes well, then then it goes well. That's your reward. And you know, if it doesn't go well, it's a learning experience, you know. I think you can you can take that into a lot of situations in life but it, it definitely applies to the stage yeah, yeah. but I, I think it at the same time i think you can go the other way whereas like the last set i had before this was march 14th it was at the club i was uh, opening for dan viola and i thought i had a terrible set it really it honestly not that i thought it was it was bad it was really bad and uh, at the end of the night um the club owner you know mark he came up to me and he's like you fucking killed it, bro. And I was like, oh, I guess I killed it. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> I had already deleted the set from my uh, oh, from my phone no. and everything. So there's, there's no trace. I killed, you know? <laughs> Burn the evidence. Burn That's the wild sometimes. That's right. like you come off a stage thinking you did great and people don't seem to love it. Or you come off a stage feeling like it was just trash and people are like, that was great. It's so, yeah. it's so interesting. But yeah. see, you know, you're in your own head. You know what normal looks like. You know what, you know, a good set to someone who's seen it for the first time could be your worst set because you know what you're capable of doing otherwise. Right. I think, it's just wild. I, I think it's hard to tell how you do if you're hosting, though, because you're going up there to a cold crowd and, like, you never, I mean, you, you get laughs here and there. And, like, then the person who goes up after you, you know, most of the time does better than you. And it's like, did I did I do well or did I do my job or, I mean, a host, hosting's a little different. I mean, I know a lot of us, I think all of us host. So mm-hmm. that's just the feeling I get with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> no, I, I think it's like, I'm completely inside my head most of the time. So I'll get off stage and I'm like, Oh man, that sucked. And everybody's like, what are you kidding me? You, you did great. And I like, that happens all the time, but I don't know then i don't trust anybody so <laughs> yeah i mean people are just nice sometimes i do it right. all the time via dario no i'm just kidding oh, <laughs> oh man <laughs> I, i'm curious i give you rides <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> you guys would you know you guys would know a lot better than me but i i know in a lot of things in life if the response is oh yeah you did a great job oh yeah and uh, usually that's a, a red flag like they're being nice and I don't know, you know, what kind of feedback you're supposed to look for. Uh, are your best shows shows where someone gets offended? Uh, is there a certain thing that, you know, makes you stand out? Because at the end of the day, you don't want everyone to just think you're okay, right? Uh, what are some of your comedy styles or 
different uh, ways that you stand out and become better than just good or just okay? Uh, I don't know. I think for me, the main thing is, is I listen to the crowd, you know, if, if, if people are laughing and if, if, if the applause sounds sincere, uh, then, uh, that went well, you know, I think that that's really kind of the be all end all for me. It's nice. Uh, especially if it's strangers that approach you after a show and you're like, Hey, you were good. You know, for me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of just coming into it. So often it's just, I'm just standing near the headliner and they're like, you were good too. And I'm like, you you don't have to, it's fine. You know, just happy to be here. Um, but you know, I really think that the main thing is, is did the crowd sound like they were having a good time, you know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think it's, uh, sorry, sir. You were what were you saying? No, I'm just going to echo that. Like, you know, after the show, you might get a, Hey, great job from someone at, who at the table was like, what the hell is this? Um, but really in the moment, people are going to laugh if they think something's funny, uh, for the most part, and they're going to react honestly in the moment, whether they say something afterwards or not. So that's really the barometer is, is laughter and facial expression. Sometimes people don't laugh, but you can tell they're enjoying themselves. So I try not to worry too much about it because what you've done is what you've done. So, yeah, I feel like I, I mean, I can tell like by the way the audience is acting like Sarah and Luke said, I mean, if, two comics go up before you and they crush and then you just do okay. You really didn't, you really didn't do that well. But, uh, if, you know, if you, you, if you're getting a lot of laughs, then obviously you're, you're doing your job. So. Yeah, you can tell Andy's very high energy on stage. <laughs> if they're laughing, they like it. <laughs> quiet, quiet back there in the trunk. Uh, <laughs> he's in the car everybody uh, to me um i i just love uh having fun on stage to me like i i the best sets are the most fun sets for me um there's one set that i had at the end of february um it was this like little brewery off seneca lake and i i go back and i listen to that I headlined it I did like a half hour and it was uh i was just sometimes like you know you get in the zone and you're just kind of vibing with the audience and basically everything I was doing new or doing old kind of weaving crowd work. Um, and those are the, definitely the best sets that you have um, where you come off and you like kind of, you really connect with the audience and those are the best. Um, so it's, it's just fun for me, you know, like I get paid, but like, holy shit, that was fun. You know? Yeah. I think there's something to that too. Like, you know, good or bad, win or lose, we get to do it. You know, like even if I have a terrible time on stage and like they let me do that, just mm-hmm. go up there and make a room full of people be quiet and listen to my bullshit. You know, <laughs> like there's there's just something that right there feels like a win, honestly. So as long as I never do bad enough that I can never get get on stage again, you know, I, I kind of consider it a win. Not last, not last. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Is there any um, um, specific rooms that you guys just have had a great crowd, great reactions? You you want to go back there every weekend? Any favorite rooms locally, or if you've been, you know, uh, traveling out of town, whether as your guest and you want to ultimately be there, or uh, places that you actually have performed? Any favorite rooms, either local or worldwide? I like I the mean, Rickles room at the Carlson locally. That's, I think that's a sick room. 
beat me to it. Yeah. I, so many comics consider that their favorite room. It's, it's absolutely my favorite stage that I've been on so far. Mm. I've uh, a lot of my newer sets, you know, like working out stuff, um, open mic type stuff uh, at the bug jar. The bug jar has been, I think mm. the best open mic, the best soundboard that I've had since returning to Rochester. People kind of, you know, sitting down, they're paying attention um and they're pretty much open and down for whatever so it's it's been the best just going back and listening to those and i'm like okay this is worth it this actually worked you know like this is all new stuff so it's it's uh it's a great soundboard for that i think yeah that's a good point that's a room that you you know you sign up ahead of time that you show up and you do um your jokes it's it's one of the few open mics where um we'll draw a decent number of non-comics uh, most nights. It's a Sunday night show. Um, they run it kind of like a, a showcase, even though it's an open mic. So I would echo that for sure. It's a great stage and a great venue for, you know, a non-professional uh, type of show. Um, th- to me, there's nothing that compares to um, the large room at the Carlson, the main um, mini showroom, have a mini showroom. It's just when you pack a, a, a full sold out crowd, I think that's like 325 people or something and it's it's just cool knowing that i live a mile away from that stage it's always going to be my hometown stage whether i go off to do other things or not um to me getting people to laugh in that room is the coolest thing love it love it and um any mentors would be better people that you've done comedy with or just you know the mecca of comedians people you look up to any comedians that if you could kind of harness their ability whether it's the the way they present their body on stage the kind of jokes the intelligence the the body the way they move their body and own the stage um anyone come to mind to you guys as someone that you kind of try to mimic and mirror and uh, look up to as a great comedian how much time do we have? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Take I'm, your time. I think for me, like, it's going to sound like a cop-out, but any any comic who makes a living doing it, I'm interested in seeing how they work, you know? Uh, like, there's always something to learn from other comics. Um, and there's there's a ton of guys locally, too. Uh, you know, somebody mentioned Dan Viola earlier. Uh, watching that dude work on stage could be really cool. Um, and I think... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested every time I got to open for somebody at the Carlson, I've learned something from just talking to them and watching them. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I think I, my style is probably most comparable. I mean, obviously not as good, but like, you know, Mark Norman and Sam Morrill and Anthony Justin, like, but the guys, the guy I admire most in comedy is Dave Chappelle because he's, going up there and he has that combination of being hysterically funny but also having like a really strong profound message in his comedy and he's really saying a lot of stuff that is is hard to say but he's doing it in a really funny way and i i don't know i just really admire him for that so i wish i could be a little more like that but i'm you know not my style Dario, I'm, wait, I'm gonna default to you. I'm curious about your response. Oh, um, <laughs> some of my like uh, when I first started doing stand up, I, I think the most um, the comics I most connected with were like Pete Holmes, um, Chappelle, definitely, uh, and it all goes back. Um, Paul F. Tompkins, 
trying to think who else. Um, Mulaney before everybody loved him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been a Mulaney head for a while, guys. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> just like people that definitely have fun on stage. And uh, Pete Holmes is definitely one of those people that I, I just connect with because, uh, you know, it, it, he's having a great time. Rory Scovel's another one definitely that I love that like are completely in the moment. And I love that that cause that's the most that's, I feel like I'm doing stand up the best when I'm in the moment I can like shift gears and be like, Oh, they like that. Let's go that direction. Like you kind of start with a set list, but then you can like just go off in some other way. I mean, I got a lot of jokes, so it's like, sometimes it's just, it's just fun to be like, okay, let's just, let's mess around here. You know? It's like a big sandbox type of thing, you know? Yeah. For me, being a woman in comedy, um, I'm kind of a lot like Luke in that way where I'm going to, I want to devour everything that I can possibly get my hands on. Um, I, I tend to gravitate more towards uh, male comics because I grew up as the youngest child to older brother. So I feel like it just felt more comfortable to me to be more on that kind of male side of the spectrum in terms of what I looked up to and what I, um, kind of filled my brain with. Um, but now it's, it's so cool to, again, live in Rochester where you have a professional club and you, there's women all the time in and out on stage, filling an hour and doing this professionally. So like April Macy, um, Michelle Wolf, uh, Tammy Pescatelli, but we've got had so many amazing comics and, um, the list for the coming year, I don't know how many of these comics are actually going to be able to come and, and do their thing, but the list for 2020 is off the charts uh, for male and female comics. So, um, but for a comic that I just freaking tickles me is Dan Soder. <laughs> just the mix of like nonsense and just intelligence. And he can, I don't know. I, I just love him. There's as a comic, I think um, I tend to watch as a uh, student. So it's rare for me to look, you know, sit in a comedy show and actually just be entertained and laugh as an audience member. I'm always thinking about like, okay, what did they do there? That's an interesting choice. Look at their body. I'm always taking in media that way, like processing it. And, but he is one that I'll watch and just just be utterly entertained because I think he's just hilarious. Um, so for me, that's a big deal as a comic to, to be tickled by another comedian like that. Absolutely. I um. I'm on the, the side of things where I'm similar to that, where I'm thinking about every little micro thing that someone's doing and trying to learn the ins and outs. For you guys, is there a ton of technique behind what you're doing? Is it coming more naturally in the moment? Or do you find that you're a balance of a little bit of both? I know personally, everything I do is based around technique. And that's probably why someone like me gets nervous when they get on stage um, because of those imperfections, um, what's your what's your guys's opinion on on that landscape? Are you somewhere in between? Or for me, I think the best comedians are the ones that make it seem like it's the first time they're telling you this thing, but they've rehearsed it. They know exactly the seconds they're going to wait till they say the next thing. They know, uh, um, you know, if they want it to make it sound like they just came up with it, they know their body posture. They know the words they're using, they know everything. It's everything about what they're doing. It's probably been rehearsed thousands of times if they're, you know, a, a headlining comedian. Um, so if you're seeing a special like on HBO or Netflix, like they've been doing those jokes for years, most of them. 
some churn out specials really quickly and it's a year or less, but um, for the most part, I, I think everything is calculated down to the angle of their body. You know, most of these comics are, are recording their set uh, audio at least, but also video to, to analyze it's all these things and to get all of it down. Um, Vulture has a cool podcast called good ones. And they talk to comics about, about they select a joke and they just dissect it. Like, Talk about all the ins and outs of all the choices that they make most of the time. So, yeah, I think a lot of it is just practice and, and picking out what works and what doesn't work. And it might look like it's the first time or that it's not calculated, but it's all freaking calculated. <laughs> Even the improvised stuff is, you know, they either ask an audience member a question so that they can put that in their pocket for later or, you know, the crowd work might be improvised, but it's all thought through. Some part, some part of it at least ahead of time, I think. And you name dropped it was Vulture, the mm. good ones. Yeah, good ones on Vulture. Good one, yeah, that's a solid one. Um, yeah, I think you know, for, for me again, it's it's really it's a, about at the very least appearing natural. Um, and I think oftentimes uh, when I'm having a good time on stage, that's really when things are going well. You know, when I I bartended for for years, and we used to always say it's. You know, it's your job to have a good time tonight, you know, behind the stick. Uh, people, a, a bar is a party. People want the person running it to be having a good time. So I think it, that translates perfectly to the stage, you know, just it's important to have fun up there, you know. So if you're so nervous, you're not going to enjoy it. That might might hurt your set a little more, which is going to make you more nervous, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's sort of a vicious cycle. Um, but I think that's really the important thing to me is just just have fun, have a good time, enjoy it. I think uh, different com- I think different comics are good at different things. Like uh, there's strengths and weaknesses that you have to work on. And like my strength, for example, my strength would probably be my joke writing. My weakness at the beginning would probably be my my stage presence, and still is. And um, you know, I do a lot of open mics. I think I really uh, I tell jokes a lot of times before I tell them at a show, but. Uh, you know, there's that factor of being in the moment too, and being able to do something on a whim. And what's really helped me with that is uh, hosting and uh, you know trying a little crowd work at open mics because those aren't my strengths. But you know what, comedy is a lot more than joke writing. So you know you got to try to get better at the things that you're not so good at. You know, and, uh, yeah. But uh, I think you know, like I said, different comics are good at different things. And, you know, you just got to get all, all that down. And when you get all that down, then, you know, you're going to be better than you were. And that sounds so fucking obvious. What am I, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm kind of kind of just going off the rails now. I think I think you're right, though, Andy. I, I think that's going uh, off the road. Uh, <laughs> Put the keys away. In the car? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually driving right now. It's making yeah. fun of comics that are in cars. <laughs> <laughs> comics <smile>. sitting in cars. It's <laughs> supposed I, to be um, a Seinfeld show someday. Yeah, <laughs> I record all my sets, um, and I like basically force myself to go back and listen to them. It's it's real difficult sometimes to do that, but um, it's kind of a necessary thing. It's uh goes to another comic that I really look up to is Gary Goleman. And if you ever want to do a Google search on uh, Goleman's comedy tips, and uh, that's, that's basically the, I don't know, the Bible as far as like, you know, building a set, 
you know, going back and reworking it, tweaking a joke, adding tags, listening to audience reaction, writing out the joke, all those things. Uh, it's super important. It's really difficult to go back and listen to yourself sometimes, especially if the set didn't go well. But um, but it's, you know, like you just find something that you can take away from it. There's always little small victories in everything, you know, or you just delete it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, the, I'm the same. I always listen to my sets. Uh, and I think, Andy, I think what you're saying is, is important, though. It's It's really important to not think of yourself as a type of comedian and then ignore other skill sets. I think that's a trap a lot of newer comics can fall into. Uh, when I started, I was the same thing. I was just like, I'm going to beat the audience over the head with how clever I am. You know, I'm a clever joke writer and that's going to be my thing. And uh, Justin Brown, who's a local comic, I, I look up to literally, he's very tall. Uh, he pulled me aside <laughs> and he was like, listen, man, you're a really good joke writer. And that's like maybe 30% of being a good comic. Like you need to find ways to make the audience actually like you and want to listen to you. Uh, which those who know Justin, that's totally him. Like, you know, helpful, but kind of mean. <laughs> Uh, but it was really important advice to me, you know, you really, uh, you really, you need to be, you need to be the life of the party. You need to be the kind of person that, that people want to listen to. And then also, yes, be a clever joke writer and also be good at crowd work. And, you know, there's, it's really important to, to approach every skill set and try and learn how to do every little aspect of comedy. It's huge. Um, so obviously it takes practice, it takes will, it takes effort, but if let's say someone's a young comedian and they know they're going to get their you know face smashed in at some point, but they want to quicken the process, any, you know, without getting too deep into the minutia, any little tactics or things you guys do when you're writing jokes, um, you know, obviously recording the set, listening to it. Are there different things that someone can do to become a better writer or be a better performer? I mean, get on stage. It's the most obvious thing. And everybody said it to me when I started, but you can't, there's no replacement for that whatsoever. Like a small city like Rochester, you know, try and get on stage 200 times a year, you know, uh, it, you know, if, if you can't do more. Um, it's really, it's, it seems so obvious and it's so basic and I think it's frustrating for young comics to hear. It's like, no, duh. Uh, but you really, you need to get on stage over and over because it's a personal process. You're learning how to unpack yourself in front of an audience and, and reveal truths about yourself to make people laugh. And you're only going to do that through repetition, you know, and just getting on over and over again and, and record your sets, you know, and watch other comics, but get on stage. <laughs> For me, um, yeah, I'm a little bit of a different processor. For me, it's, it's not just enough to get on stage. Um, for me, it's all the stuff that goes on between getting on stage. Um, you know, I, I have to do a lot of work on the back end to think about it, analyze it, edit, make a change to what I did on stage. Um, because if I'm just getting on stage week to week and not really doing all the legwork, I can just be doing the same crap over and over. Um, so for me, it's a lot of, you know, putting in the work ahead of time. That's why you'll see me at a mic with my laptop open and I'm usually tinkering all the time on, um, you know, changes or different ideas or reworking things that didn't quite work out because I've listened to it or, you know, so it's for me, it's, yeah, get on stage and do your thing, but also like put in the work to be bold enough to change something you really like because the audience isn't connecting with it or try something new with it. Um, a lot of folks will see doing the same stuff over and over, which is awesome. Um, 
if you're comfortable with it and you just want to get, you know, get that ingrained. But I think you also have to kind of take some chances and, and tinker as much as you can if it's not working. I think uh, Luke and Sarah both made some good points. I think you do got to get on stage as much as possible. You got to write a shitload. And I, what I think Sarah said at the end of what she just said is you, you can't be afraid to take risks, especially at open mics. You got to put yourself out there and realize, hey, this could bomb. But you know what? It, it could also go well. And, you know, that's how some of the best I think that's how some of my best jokes have gone. You know, when I'm not afraid to, to take a risk and then, you know, if it doesn't quite work, try it another time. And then if it doesn't work, you know, change something and, you know, eventually maybe it'll work. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But, you know, you can't be afraid to take risks. No, definitely. I, uh, I echo everything that everybody said, basically, um, getting on stage, writing a ton, writing's important. That's one thing I've been trying to focus on still, you know, as we're not able to get on stage, uh, you know, with, um, the podcast is, uh, trading jokes and we try to, you know, it, it's become difficult because the, the minutia of life is, it's just every day is the same kind of thing, but you try to find little tiny things that you can pick out still or, go back and like go through notebooks and rewrite things. That's one thing I like to revisit a lot of jokes, you know, they're like, okay, what angle, how has my life changed? You know, things like that, that you can, uh, you know, go back and tweak. Um, but there really isn't any shortcut to getting good at comedy. Yeah. It's just doing it. That's all it is. It's just doing it. And, uh, you know, if you're not funny, then quit. <laughs> yeah. Let me take yeah, my think, stage uh, time. <laughs> I mean, something I didn't mention is is uh you know part of that taking risk thing is, is just not letting a failure derail your progress. I think a lot of folks um you know take a chance on something and fail and then let that you know deter them from coming back and it feel embarrassed if you know a mic doesn't go well or something but for me, my biggest success has come because I, I treat it like a sport and I, I feel like I'm an athlete and I, I look at Mike's like a practice. If it doesn't go well, it's not going to, you know, take me away from the end goal. Um, but I think a lot of folks, it's a personal thing. You're getting up there telling the things that are worked around in your brain. Like it's scary for people to not receive it well, but I think the shortcut to being good at comedy is getting a thick skin and just not letting uh, some of those things get in your way. Yeah, fighting through it. Um, and at the end of the day, you guys all get to make people laugh. And that's one of the most important things we can have, especially in daunting times, whether it's Corona or no Corona, everyone needs to smile. Um, I'm wondering, just going back to childhood, I, I like to try to understand the why behind things because no one rolls out of bed and says, I'm going to be a comedian when they're, you know, two, three years old, they, they may not know what a comedian is yet. I mean, maybe you guys did do that, but um, I'm curious if you had childhood moments, whether it was a family member, a stand-up show, a friend that, you know, really just brought you onto comedy and, and how that influenced you. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I grew up a huge uh, SNL fan. Um, I spent, oh, I was an only child. I still am an only child. But um, I uh, I spent a lot of summers like just watching uh, reruns of SNL, mostly like the 90s stuff and some of the 80s, which is terrible. But um, 
you know, like all that Adam Sandler, David Spade, all those guys. Um, I'm a huge fan of Chris Farley, but um, that's how I really got into comedy. I loved it. I don't know why I, I kind of started, I started after college. Um, you know, I, I wish I started a little earlier, but still, um, you know, that like it, it, I basically fell in love with it and it's basically all I think about now. But um, <laughs> being an only child, I think that's what it is. I just uh, seek attention. I need attention <laughs> all the time. I'm, I'm glad uh, how many people are watching right now. I need to know. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that's my uh, origin story, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just going to lead with, I assume we all had like broken home abusive childhoods, but uh, <laughs> I guess there's, there's positive things that lead you to do comedy too. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I definitely can echo that. Like I, I grew up watching, you know, Carson and Letterman, uh, SNL definitely. And, you know, mystery science theater was big for me. Um, I remember the comedy channel before it was comedy central when it was just sort of like MTV and they just play comedy clips all day. Oh, you're old uh, man. Yeah. I'm an old dude. <laughs> um, and you know, kids in the hall, money Python, uh, that's definitely, you know, just, I'm sure seeing that at some point, maybe want to do it. Um, you know, and also my folks weren't around and, and I want people to pay attention to me. <laughs> I guess the, the biggest question that is massively important is what are people looking forward to in the future and what's the best way to keep in touch with your creatives? Obviously seeing you live, but until um, then, Instagram, YouTube, podcasts. Um, let's name drop how uh, everyone can keep in touch with everybody. I do most of my stuff on Instagram. You can find me at funny Sarah Shipley, S-A-R-A. Um, it's pretty much the same content on Facebook. I also have a website, funnysarahshipley.com. Um, I'm on Twitter with Funny Sarah Ship. Um, yeah, that's where I post all my shows and, and whatnot on, on Instagram. I'm always advertising, posting funny little things or whatever I'm doing. Hopefully we'll get back to the stage soon, but otherwise, that's where you can find me. Awesome, awesome. Funny Sarah Shipley, spelled how it sounds, S-H-I-P-L-E-Y. There you go. Uh, let's uh, let, let's go in order to make it simple. Uh, how about you, uh, Dario? Um, I have everything on DarioComedy.com. I have uh, videos, bio, all the stuff is on there. Um, I need to update it probably. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have a headlining show this weekend at the Carlson. That's not going to happen. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's very sad, but um, I don't know. Knox reached out to me. I, I guess maybe I have a show in August. We'll see, but um, probably not. But anyways, um, the Fringe Fest is coming up. Hopefully, we can do something with that. Um, if you haven't submitted, you should submit an idea or something like that. There's a wide opening with comedy in the Fringe Fest. Uh, There's a hole. <laughs> aware of that. Um, so it'd be good to fill with, uh, you know, local comedians. Definitely. It's a great, um, venue for, um, showcasing local talent. Um, yeah. And, um, Instagram, Dardar stinks, uh, Twitter, Dario party 64. And, uh, you can find me on, on Facebook or whatever. Just Dario Joseph, add me, 
if you have mutual friends, I'll add you. If you don't, I probably won't. <laughs> and your your website's dariocomedy.com? That's it, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, every, that, that'll lead you to everything, basically. Cool. Um, how about you, Andy? Uh, at Kundadio, K-U-H-N-D-A-D-D-I-O. is my handle on both Twitter and Instagram. I do a I do a Zoom show every Thursday, pretty much, and there might be a link to that on the Rochester Comedy page. I'm not sure, but I'm on that, you know, most weeks. And um, yeah, as far as the future of comedy goes for the time being, I think you know, other than Zoom shows, I think the Carlsons onto something with their parking lot shows that you know Sarah was a part of, and I think that might be for as long as need be. That might be uh, what we're what we're gonna see. So. That's all I got. Awesome. At Coon Daddio, that, that's K-U-H-N. How do you spell Daddio? D-A-D-D-I-O. <laughs> Dario loves it. <laughs> do not follow that, please. <laughs> uh, Luke? All right, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm on Instagram. Uh, at fears of a clown it's my last name t-h-i-e-r-s of a clown uh i know it sounds confusing but if you know me then you know it's, it's also stupid uh i make a lot of dumb memes um and uh dario and i actually both make memes and write for a website called the interloop too which is worth a follow uh they're pretty funny folks um i don't know if dario if you want me blowing up your spot there but it's done it's done it's done um, oh yeah. that's good yeah um, you know, Interloop and uh, Fears of a Clown. I always, I, I always post about anything I'm working on through my Instagram. Good stuff. Good stuff. I, I appreciate everybody coming on. Um, there's one last question I ask every single guest, no matter the personality. And uh, y'all can all answer. I know there's four of you. We can have a select few, but I open this up to everybody, of course. Um, and it's a billboard question. Now imagine there is a billboard on the side of the road, busiest place you could ever imagine. You know, millions of people are going to see it, young, old, all kinds of races, all genders, all personalities. And you have the opportunity to control the content on this billboard. Now, obviously, we can't have like a three-minute YouTube clip because people crash their car, but in a word, a sentence, something simple, a meme, anything like that, what would you put on that billboard to to reach out to that many people, and why would you choose what you choose? First instinct, everybody poops, period. That's it. It's a unifier, you know what I mean? It brings people together. It's a reminder that everybody friggin' is a mess. <laughs> Before comedy sets, especially. <laughs> yeah. that's what else yeah. I hear that's good luck. It it is. Creative generator, yeah. <laughs> um, I have a meme that I really like, but it's offensive. I don't think it would really go well. I don't think <laughs> it would play well on the book. Coon daddy o. It's a daddy raccoon. <laughs> Someone the other someone the other day was saying the always sunny in Philadelphia where Frank puts up a photo with you know basically just two women with large breasts and him in the middle of it. <laughs> Amazing. 
I just uh, started watching season 14. Yeah, it's good so far. Right on. Yeah, I, uh, you know what? I'm going to second that, but just Danny DeVito. <laughs> not, not the chicks, just any picture of Danny DeVito. I think that, that'll break like people's that. days. Awesome, guys. Uh, any last words? Anything I didn't ask you? Anything you want to shout out for the, the future? Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't plug my stuff before. <laughs> I got um uh, trading jokes. Um you can find it on my page um or any of my guest page. Uh me and Sean Day, another local comedian, uh that that's really bad at comedy. Um <laughs> we do a show, uh we bring on guests, um, we trade some jokes, usually get some banter. Uh, a couple of comics Sarah's been on there. Luke will definitely be on there, Andy won't be on there. Uh <laughs> Maybe Andy will get it. We'll see how long this goes, and then Andy will be. <laughs> we'll run out of guests, and then um, I'm starting a new show um, with Chris Thompson. Um, he writes for the city newspaper. He does restaurant reviews. Uh, it's called Refined Tastes, and we're going to be talking about food, bringing on a bunch of uh, local food people at Rochester, food people, and beer and drink and all that. We talking food because I, I like to eat. I'm a little husky boy. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks for having us, Ben. This was fun. Yeah, yeah Alex, man. thanks so much. Uh, it was great. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ben. I appreciate it. Um, for anyone watching, we do this every Monday, and it used to be Thursday, but now every Monday and Wednesday night, drop new episodes every Monday and Thursday morning. This is the first time we've had this many guests on a Zoom call. We've got comedians. Uh, send me feedback about how you uh, how, how things went. Anything, you can email me, rochestergroovecast at gmail.com. <clears throat> um, rochestergroovecast.com is the main website. But give me feedback, comment section in the show notes or anyth- and everything. We'll post links to all these comedians' handles. And um, what I want to maybe do is uh, get you guys one-on-one in the near future so we can dive deeper with each of you guys individually. But I had fun. I like the concept. Um, It's good to have four of you here. It's usually just me and one other. So uh, this was a hell of a lot of fun for me. I had a good time. Cool. Thank you. Glad you had fun, buddy. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I hope you had fun too. Had a blast. No, as long as you had fun, I'm good. Mario's banned. I'm just curious if Andy's going to stay out in the car, to yeah. be honest, for another hour to avoid his family. Or it's, go back believe me, it's it's tempting. It's tempting. He's got a pillow out there. I might milk this for everything it's worth. Just put it in the garage. Keep it running. You'll be fine. That sounds like an even better idea. That's it. I mean, you can you can always go in, you can always go in and take a poop. You got privacy there. Yeah, yeah. shit in that car, baby. Back seat, man. Right in the back seat. <laughs> Good to see you guys, though, for real. For the kids. Yeah. <laughs> I miss you guys. Everybody, stay safe. Yeah, I miss y'all.